I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. You have part of my attention, you have the minimum amount. I'm a guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. You got a lot of problems, don't you? Oh, it's good to be back. I go though. You don't know? It means I'll go fuck yourself. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. You can't handle the truth. I love that Mike joined the party this week. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Uh, we're 40 to 31. We've talked about some movies. Uh, I think last episode almost broke Mike just a little bit. Um, <laughs> he had the yikes last two, and he was quite upset. But we talked about Footloose last week. And no, we're not talking Kevin Bacon. We're talking Julianne Huff. Um, so hopefully this week gets better. I'm not guaranteeing anything. Um, bar. You're back again. I tried yeah. to get a replacement. I couldn't find anybody no. to read off your movies to think that they were actually good. So how do you feel like you're going to do today? This is actually the 10 that I think I will be able to skate by with. So, yeah, let's do this. Well, we're, we're pretty much 10 away from the sweet spot. I think the top where your grades are going to come from. So this is your last, like, maybe safety net before we get into like the arse thing. Mike, how much blood are we going to talk about tonight? Surprisingly, no. Well, I try. No. Yeah, we are going to be talking about some blood, but it's the most normal list that I've had with the exception of maybe one movie. Okay, that one movie, everybody turn off the TV. Okay. <laughs> Cam, you broke the internet. I know you don't know it yet, but I can guarantee the live chat when this went up was quite quite loud. How do you think you're going to do this week in comparison to Footloose? Um, that there's, there's one movie. Uh, there's one movie I'm kind of worried about. There's one movie this week. I'm very worried about, but the good news is next week. I have probably my strongest four movie run that I've had this entire series. So <laughs> next week, when things start to matter, I'll be doing pretty good. You're like a kid. I really do. I'm going to suck on this test, but I promise the next one I'll do better. We'll find out. Rosario, <laughs> Jake Marangoni, I don't know who to call you, but you're both about the same. Um, you pick these lists just to, I think, just to aggravate me. Uh, how do you feel like you're going to do tonight? About the same. Okay. You had Robocop and Mike didn't. I'm going to keep bringing that up for the rest of the journey. <laughs> um, bar. You know what to do. Yeah. Take a swing. All right. My number 40 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My number 39 is Bringing Up Baby. And my number 38 is Road to Perdition. Mm. Okay. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I think the animation in this is amazing. I think the script is really, really good. And it really hits you in the feels. Um, and they're able to really control the story, even with all of these different variations of spider people in it. I think it's a really well-crafted movie. Uh, Bringing Up Baby, uh, it is a comedy with Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn. Uh, it is a great screwball comedy. Cary Grant in this movie is friggin' amazing. Um, especially this one scene where uh, his clothes go missing. Uh, it's great. Uh, and Road to Perdition... Um, this might be my favorite Tom Hanks 
movie. Um, I think that the cinematography in this is absolutely astounding. It's like this, it is literally like watching the comic come to life in front of your eyes. Uh, and Paul Newman and Daniel Craig in this movie are just oh my god! And Jude Law, Jude Law's creepy as hell in this movie, and it's all and it's amazing. You muted. Muted. Good because I stumbled through my words anyway. So ha <laughs> ha. Um, number forty. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. No yikes on this one, which is kind of shocking. I think maybe. Um, I think it's the second best Spider-Man movie to be made. Yeah, I would say second best. Um, I like Homecoming. I think Homecoming actually like tells the story of Peter Parker um, just overall better. This one's a fun one because it's everything thrown into it. So that's why I don't think it's number one. But uh, this one took me by surprise. I didn't think I would like it as much. But the, I think the animation is what got me into this film because it's. Li- I'm not a comic book reader. Like if it's not, but I read Spider-Man. And I read X-Men. For the, it's like the movie flips. Like it's going through a comic. So I really, I really enjoy that movie a lot. I think it's one of the best animated movies of the 2010s by far. Um, your next one, Bringing Up Baby. Oh gosh, such a good movie. If I would have actually watched it in time, you told me to watch it. It has Cary Grant. I'm guaranteed to probably give it at least a four star just because Cary Grant's in it. Um, it is on my list. Hopefully by the next time I will be able to go back to it and tell you what I thought about it um, on the show. And 38 is a movie I saw first time this year, Road to Perdition. I think Road to Perdition is awesome. I think this movie is arguably one of those like comic book that you talk about movies that comes up that you're like, oh, I want comic book movies, and somebody asks you a Road to Perdition question, you're like, well, that's not the one I wanted. Um, I actually really like this. Um I think it's a star-studded cast. I think the cast is incredible in this movie. Um, I think, is it Paul Newman? Paul Newman? Yeah, Paul Newman's in it. Yeah, Paul Newman's performance is amazing. Uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, I'm, Tom Hanks. No, Daniel Craig. Hanks. Daniel Craig. Yeah, oh, Daniel yeah. Craig uh, and uh, Tom Hanks. But Jude Law, yeah, that that end scene is, is something. Is yeah. something, I'll tell you. Uh, so, yeah, Road to Perdition, really good. Go around real quick to everybody. No one else had any of these movies, so you guys get to say really quick, what do you think about Andrew's top, the bottom of his 40 through 38? Spider-Man is uh, really fun. I enjoy it. It's a great fucking movie. It's like my third favorite Spider-Man movie, but I still really love it. Um, Bring Up Baby, I have not seen yet, so I can't really say that much on it at all. And um, 38, Road to Perdition, I love this movie. Tom Hanks is fucking amazing. Um, uh, Jude Law is incredible, especially during that shootout where he gets his eye fucked up. It is such a great fucking movie. I love this to death. One of my favorite gangsters type movies. It's a great fucking movie. Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse is actually my favorite Spider-Man movie. It uh, surprised me too. I actually did not expect much from it. I just felt like Sony was doing something because they had the license and they actually came up with a really great film. Uh, that to me surpasses all the other Spider-Man movies that they have made live action. Uh, I also have not seen Bringing Up Baby because, eh. And then Road to Perdition, it's actually uh, one the, one of the few movies that both my dad and I love because he loves some trash. But this one, <laughs> great. And I actually, I actually didn't even know this was a comic book when we were first saw it. Uh, we just figured it was a like period piece drama, and it was so good. And I was like, "Yeah, it's based on a comic book. Nice." Uh, 
fandom points. Uh, Spider Verse is really, really good. It's between that and Homecoming for my favorite Spider Man movie. Uh, yeah, I think the animation style and just like the technical achievement of that film is incredible. Uh, I have not seen Bringing Up Baby. I have not seen Road to Perdition. Shame on you, Mike. Take it away. Okay, number forty. I have the Monster Squad. Number 39, I have Minority Report, which was a yikes from earlier, I believe by Nazario. And 38, The Shining, which was a yikes earlier from somebody. I forgot who it was. Could have been from Nazario again. (laughs) I don't remember. But, um, okay. Monster Squad. It is what a Dark Goonies would be, but with Psychopaths. It's an amazing fucking movie. You got the classic monsters. You got a kid kicking the Wolfman in the Nards. Great fucking time. It's just a fun movie, you know? You have these kids, like the kids that I would want to be, which were obsessed with monster movies, and you get to see them interact with them and scare the shit out of them <laughs> sometimes. But it's like a badass version of the Goonies where they are fucking ass kickers. I love it. It's a great fucking movie. Minority Report. Tom Cruise is fucking incredible in this. Colin Farrell is incredible in this. Uh, like... Having a very, like, having Tom Cruise go to this dark place during this movie with everything involving his son is so amazing. The part with um, Peter Stormare and the eyes, of course, is fucking great. I love the fact that it deals with um, uh, the moral aspects of if you can stop a crime from happening, would you? Even if they may not be committing it. What if they decide last minute that they're not going to do it? It's such a great message to the story, especially towards the end. It is one of my favorite Spielberg movies. It is so dark. It is so fucking great. I love it. And then The Shining. It's Jack Nicholson as a fucking psychopath. How could you not love this movie? It's got blood out of an elevator. It's got two little creepy-ass girls, twin girls (laughs) down a hallway that scare the shit out of me to this day. It's fucking great. Everything about this is amazing. This is my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie. This one... Maybe his most straightforward movie, but it is so fantastic from beginning to end. I love the book as well. The book is amazing, but the movie I can watch over and over again. Jack Nicholson is fucking incredible in this. Everything, all the behind the scenes stuff is uh, so sad, but with the performance that they got out of it, I don't know. I don't know if you could say if it was worth it or not, but I believe it was worth it. It's a great fucking time. All right, 40, Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it was a fake movie, honestly, when you brought it up. I was only the, I've never even fucking heard that. Um, and then I looked it up. It looks like somebody made the poster from a uh, Microsoft Paint. So it could be honestly, it could be an honestly made up movie. I'm not sure. It actually looks like Nazario graphics, <laughs> which I love. Uh, 39. I'm really surprised the Spielberg movie ended up in the 39 of Minority Report. I thought this was going to be a little higher. Um, Spielberg is shaking his head at you, I think. Um, but I actually love this crew, this movie. Uh, it has Tom Cruise and Spielberg. Need I say more? Uh, it, uh, uh, it's if you just put like Dustin Hoffman in it, you got the Holy Trinity and you're ready to go. Um, but uh, yeah, great, great movie. Uh, I love Minority Report. Um, and your 38 is what was it again? The Shining. I haven't seen The Shining in a long time. 
I would say I've, I saw it a lot when I was younger, but I just haven't watched it since. Um, but Nicholson is great for a reason. I my I used to annoy my parents because I would like crack the door and say, "Here's Johnny," and then I just swing the vases. I think they thought I was going to be a psychopath, but they're not not to be, so they might be thankful. But me sure with that bat. Me, I don't know. Me around that bat. Um, this show keeps me sane. I get to yell at people so I don't take it on anybody else. Um, but me walking around with that bat, they were like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? But uh, Shining, great movie when I was younger. I need to check it out. I also need to check out Dr. Sleep because I hear that's a great like one as well. It's so. an HBO Max. Huh? It's an HBO Max, Dr. Sleep. It's on everybody's voodoo, too, that I have, too. I just haven't <laughs> yeah. watched it. And my mom wouldn't let me have the axe, so I couldn't, like, chop the doors. Uh, that's probably why. Everybody on uh, Mike's bottom. Oh, wait. Uh, who had Minority Report? Did you have both of them, Shining and Minority Report? No, just Minority Report. 57. Okay, go ahead. Well, since you have the Manor for Monster Squad, Wolfman got nard! Hilarious. This is a movie where they just put, like, the classic monsters fighting children, and it was funny. It was a little scary, just like I like him. But, yes, this is a, a great campy movie from the 80s. I, I really like it. Uh, Minority Report, yes, I also had it on my top 100. This is my second favorite uh, Spielberg movie by this much. By this much. I really love it. They, they, they are re this is one of the smartest scripts I have seen about uh, time travel uh, because it actually found a loophole in the system. When you realize that what he obviously is supposed to do this crime and maybe he won't do it and then they start explaining the logistic about how the system of the precox work and the only way you can really get away with murder is the one way they do it it's brilliant it's it, when when you see how it all fits together in the end it's just amazing and there's this scene where uh he takes the precog uh that agatha that he took and she wants to help him so she uses his powers to by small little actions, let help him get away from them all. It's, it's just beautiful the cinema. It's just amazing. The Shining, I've seen, I've liked a lot. I really, really liked a lot. And it was close, but I just didn't have space for it in my top 100. Uh, so, Monster Squad, uh, I have not seen this movie all the way through, but what I have seen, I like. Uh, Minority Report, uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, and uh, The Shining is a movie that I respect more than I necessarily like. Um, I get why people love it as much as they do. It just wasn't the same effectiveness for me. I have actually seen all three of these movies as of, as of a week ago. I watched, I watched Minority Report for the first time last week. Uh, Monster Squad. Man, has this movie not aged well. Um, I'm well, sorry. I watched it for the first time earlier this year, and... There's there's some stuff that happens in that movie that I and some stuff that's said that that ain't for me. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very cheesy, very campy, and when it's fun, it's fun. But when it's problematic, who boy? Uh, Thirty nine Minority Report. I watched this last week. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I think my biggest thing is when it's being like a really cool sci fi mystery, almost like future fugitive movie. I think it's really really cool. When it's being an action movie, I don't know how I feel about it because, like, the fight in the alleyway with the jetpacks was really, really cheesy, and I was not 
a huge fan of that fight. It just felt really rough to me personally. Sorry, that's that's my opinion. Uh, and The Shining. Uh, this is not a this is not a movie made for Cameron. Uh, like I've seen it. I think it's fine. I don't think it's bad. I think Nicholson's great in it. Uh, but I like Doctor Sleep more. Question. Answer. What ha- what happens in life where you end up watching Monster Squad before Minority Report? Uh, that what seems like a Monster dark Squad was on Prime and Minority Report wasn't. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm still trying to figure out what you found problematic. Oh, uh, we. We can talk later. Talk later. But Cam, it's your turn. Woo! All right. This is a weird set of three to have back to back. My number 40 is Hot Rod. My number 39 is War for the Planet of the Apes. And my 38 is The Big Sick. I know, it's a weird set of three to have. It got um, better, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Hot Rod, look, I said it last week, I'll say it again now. I love really dumb but really smart comedy where it is so purposely really no what i mean is like it's so purposefully written to be absolutely asinine that it ends up like working on a whole other level to me i think this movie is hilarious i think it's full of great quotes and great stunts uh the babe wait scene where it's just will arnett in a convertible car yelling after his girlfriend who just broke up with him and he doesn't get out of the car he just stands there for a full minute repeatedly yelling the words babe wait over and over and over again uh i mean it's always fun watching andy samberg get hurt uh in creative ways there's a full two minute long take of him just falling down a mountain for two minutes like this movie is insane it's so good i love it uh if you haven't watched it it's a really really fun time uh 39 war for the planet of the apes uh, this movie is fantastic. Uh, this is one that I really liked before, and then they added it to fandom this past season, and I rewatched it, and I was like, oh, no, this movie is brilliant, and I love it. Uh, I think it's so true to the spirit of what, like, a classic war movie was, but then takes it and puts it in this new sci-fi thing. I think Andy Serkis gives a great performance. I think Woody Harrelson gives a phenomenal performance in this movie. He's, like, such an intimidating villain, but you also fully see where he's coming from and, like, you're able to sympathize with him. I think Steve Zahn as Bad Ape is fantastic. Uh, This movie, like, it has great, like, hell yeah action moments, but also a lot of dark, slower moments that I think are great. Uh, And 38, The Big Six. Um... This is a movie that just hit me hard when I saw it. I think, like, it's got such a strong core of emotion to it, but it's also really, really funny at points. Um, like, Kumail Nanjiani is absolutely brilliant in this movie. I think he should have been nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Yes, I understand that, like, he's playing himself, and some people think that might be cheap. So what? He was phenomenal. Uh... I think the screenplay is just absolutely fantastically written. Holly Hunter and Ray Romano are both fantastic in it. Zoe Kazan is super charming. Uh, yeah, this movie is heartbreaking and hilarious all at once. Uh, 
Uh, the only thing you said great about Hot Rod is when Andy Sandberg Andy Sandberg gets hit hurt. Uh, I hate Hot Rod. I hate Andy Sandberg, honestly. Um, if he's not on Lonely Island, I can't stand him. Um, I think this movie is stupid. Like, and you're right, it's dumb humor, but it's not dumb humor that I enjoy. Um, top forty, you're absolutely insane. Um, War for the Planet of the Apes, quality, quality movie. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I think. It's my second favorite of the new trilogy. I still like Dawn better. Um, Dawn has Gary Oldman, and that's what I'll stand by. Uh, especially that scene at the end makes that movie way better for me with Gary Oldman. Plus the intrigue between everybody else. This one, like, I felt like the root, you still had like people to root for in the second one. In this one, it's just clear focus. Like you, you're rooting for the one. So, um, I uh, yeah, I love War though. I think it's the perfect end to a trilogy. I understand they're rebooting or they're continuing on. And I don't know how I feel fully about that. Cause I think it wrapped up purpose. Perfect. Um, 38 big sick. I watched that movie for the first time this year. I think it is one of the smartest romantic comedies out there, especially set in this, uh, uh, time frame that we're in. Uh, it's brilliant. I think Ray Romano, I think is honestly, uh, killer in this movie. I also think like, <laughs> That joke will always stick with me. I've always wanted the 9-11. I've always wanted to ask you about 9-11. We thought it were it was bad. A tragedy. We lost some it, of our best guys. Some of our best guys. It's just for that comment. I was like, what are you doing? And like the way that it's Holly Hunter, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Holly Hunter, like how she grows to like root for him and then it it honestly tells the story like when everything goes down and he's like, You didn't like you got to fall in love with everybody else, but when we left off, it was still not good. So, yeah. like, we're not there. Like, yeah. I understand. It doesn't matter Thank that you, you did all this. I was yeah. in a coma. I was did. coma. He yeah. didn't help. So, it's a, it honestly tells like a harsh punch to your you know stomach. And then you know, I think I it's so funny and so like sweet. Um, so yeah, uh, great choice. Great choice. Uh, didn't anybody else have the big sick? Shame on all of you. Real right now. No one has war. What the hell? Don't worry, Cody. It gets worse. Hot Rod wasn't one of the movies I was worried about. Like, there are smart people on these lists that put them at the bottom, so they're like real quick. Like, don't talk about it. But New Year, like, 37. I'll let it stand alone. And they get punched in the face. Oh, no, 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 Cody. We gotta wait. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, so how does everybody feel about his bottom three? Okay, number 40. Haven't seen it. Uh, War. Haven't seen it. Uh, the Big Sick. I really like this movie a lot. Um, this is a movie that uh, I love Holly Hunter as an actress. She's actually one of my favorite actresses. Um, and Zoe Kazan. I I love Zoe Kazan. <laughs> like uh, any, I will watch any movie that she's in because um, she is just absolutely, utterly charming and wonderful and really great. So, I, I really like this movie a lot. Hot Rod is really funny. Has no business in the 100 list. It's, well, thank you. it's, it's just not. <laughs> uh, War for the Planet of the Apes is actually my favorite of the new trilogy. I think it actually improved. I like War more than Dawn, and I like Dawn more than Rice. But they are all actually pretty solid okay. films, especially 2 and 3. Those two kind of took it to an, another level. I think it had to do with the direction, too, with Matt Reeves. Uh, 
I hope they won't continue it, but you know, it's Hollywood, so probably they will. And uh, the big sick, yeah. I also laughed at the 9-11 joke. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, the rest of the movie is good. It's cute. It's sweet. I liked it. Didn't love it. Yeah, Hot Rod. I think it's a pretty good fucking movie. You know, Sandberg being hurt is always pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I, you love guys, how, uh, I love how everyone just hates Andy Sandberg for some reason. <laughs> he's, um, he's awful. Is a great fucking movie. I thought it was a great ending to the trilogy. Woody Harrelson is fucking incredible on that, and Andy Serkis, goddamn man, he's so fucking incredible. And then you have uh, the big sick, the stuff in the comedy club with Holly Hunter and Wave Mono was some of the funniest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> Wave Mono a tiny dick. <laughs> it's just so fucking amazing. Camille is great in it. Louis Kazan is great in it. You know, it's a. I, I love it. It's a great romantic comedy. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah, fucking Holly Hunter. I want her to like uh, do some audio books because that would be fucking great. Her voice is great. Uh, Nazario. Oh, God. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, number 40. Six inches forward, five inches back. I got an angry inch. Hedwig and the angry inch. Uh, my 39 is Clean Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby. And my 38 is Michelle Gondry's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yikes, in this episode. Ooh. <laughs> so, Hedwig and the Angry Angel. This is a movie that I saw by accident. I meant to buy something else, and then when I got my package, it was included in it. So I was like, okay, I bought it. I, I'll check it out. And it just floored me. I, I had no idea this was based on a musical that it was off Broadway. I just took it for what it was, and it. Uh, James Cameron Mitchell is John Cameron Mitchell is the. It, it it tells the story in a way that it feels personal, even if it's kind of insane. It's the story of a lonely boy from the wrong side of the wall in East Germany, who needs to figure out who he is in the world, and he takes a very crooked way to get there through rock and roll and sex changes, but in the end, I think he finds some peace. Everything about this movie, it's so earnest to me, so honest, and it really moves me every time I watch it. The relationship he gets in with other people, and sometimes he gets his heart broken, and sometimes he finds peace. And this, still to this day, uh, the origin of love song is the best explanation I've ever heard about people looking for other people to see who fits and makes them whole again. It's beautiful. Uh, 39, Million Dollar Baby. This movie makes me cry every single time I watch it. It's It works on so many levels. It works as a story, uh, as a sports story about this old man who's kind of beaten up by life and he just uh, has missed his shot with different people who have been, he has been training. And then this girl comes into his life, wants him to, to trainer to manage him and he doesn't want to because she's a woman but she slowly gains his trust and they be, they form this bond that is closer than anything else he has in his life and when, just when you don't expect it the movie takes a hard left turn that i won't say here i think everybody knows but still not gonna say it and the movie turns into something completely different and it it's heartbreaking it takes you places this movie similarly to uh, the Sea Inside from Spain, a Spanish movie, deal with the same kind of uh, subject about 
people owning the right to choose what to do with their lives. It's beautiful, it's heartbreaking. Clint at the top of his game. Uh, and 38, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was yikes. Yikes. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, 40, I've never seen this movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'm a I'm a big musical guy. I just forget about this one exists. Like it's always when somebody asks in the musical category, I'm like, okay, yeah, that one. I never, I've never like looked for it. I've never. Every time we I hear about it, I put it on a list and then the list goes away. So I still need to check it out. I hope it's good. Um, next one. This is a weird one. Because in this community, I think there are people that don't like this movie or don't think it's good or that she shouldn't have won the Oscar. There's a lot of things about this. I'm in Nazario's I'm in I'm in Brian I'm in Nazario's camp. I absolutely adore this movie. I think this movie is brilliant. Um, it's a sports movie, so it already gets like three points in that positive direction. And then what they do with it is great. Um, yeah, it's, it is literally one of my favorite boxing movies. It's one of my favorite sports movies uh, in general. I think, I think it's brilliant and yeah, I won't give anything away, but I think when it makes that turn is like, whoa, um, I don't watch it that often though, just because it is pretty emotional and we won't talk about the other one. Everybody on the bottom two of Nazario. Um, I've been meaning to watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So, Coho, add it to my list, please. Um, and for Million Dollar Baby, um, it is... Uh, uh, it's a movie that I've seen one time. I remember liking it, but not loving it. But it is probably one that I need to revisit. Okay, I'm um, uh, Hedwig. Haven't seen Million Dollar Baby. I think it's an okay movie. I just don't like Clint Eastwood, so that kills it for me right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't like the next Eastwood. Uh, the good old saying things on this show gets your grade lowered already taking effect. Uh, uh, I, have not, I have not seen Million Dollar Baby. Uh, I have not seen the film version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I've seen the stage musical version, specifically the version with Neil Patrick Harris, mm -hmm. and uh, that one's incredible, so I'm sure I would probably like this movie. I just haven't gotten around to it. My daughter's not happy. Um, okay. <laughs> the gloves are coming off. Bar. Let's take a walk. So someone uh, off, like, off of... Uh it being actually live and recorded said that someone's list looks like an AFI list. And that was probably my list. And I'm going to prove them right because my number 37 is to kill a mockingbird. All right, cool. Uh, to kill a mockingbird. Um, it's a book that everyone knows. Uh, it's a story that uh, everyone has read it. Um, I think Gregory Peck in this film is just amazing. Like his performance in this is, is as Atticus Finch is just legendary. Um, I love the the way that Scout story is told in this movie because you see the you see this situation in the eye uh, through the eyes of a child <clears throat> uh, as they're learning and developing uh, the situation around them, and I think it's just really well done. 
Um, the scene on the porch is just intense uh, in its own sense. Um, and it is, it is just a beautiful, beautiful movie to watch. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird is just fantastic. The guys at AF, you know, the top 100 is clapping. Um, this is a movie I saw in high school because we had to read the book. I hated my English teacher for making me read this book. But then I grew up, you know, I became an adult, and I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I really like the story of this, honestly. I like the book and the movie. The, um, it just, it's just a, it's an insane story, uh, and um, and the acting in it, the script. I think, it, I think it's honestly still to think that it was. I think it was banned. I think the book was banned for yeah. a while, um, which is shows how stupid our country is at times. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think this movie is brilliant, honestly. Um, if you haven't seen it, and you have my voodoo, it's on my voodoo. But other than that, um, what does everybody else think about To Kill a Mockingbird? They don't kill a mockingbird, by the way. I think that's what really pissed me off in school. They don't kill a mockingbird. <laughs> so, you to, kill a mocking, to Kill a Mockingbird, well, they don't kill any birds. So, um, it's weird. Um, what do you guys think about it? Uh, I also had to read this book and watch this film uh, in high school in the 10th grade. Uh, in the 10th grade, I fell asleep watching this movie in class. Uh, that is not a reflection of the quality of the film. That is a reflection on me having been a 10th grader who wasn't getting enough sleep because I was a high school student and no high school student gets enough sleep. Um, that being said, I rewatched this film since then, and it's fantastic. The entire, like, one take summation speech is brilliant so Tengrig was like two years ago <laughs> five years ago Nazario I haven't seen this I live in Panama they don't make me read this so I haven't read it either I've seen it once but I do not remember it so I need to rewatch it fair all right, take us through the next one. Uh, this or was you a, just want us to pull up the website. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're about to get blindsided with the least AFI movie possible. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, this is actually a yikes from, I believe, episode number one of our trip. Uh, it is My Fair Lady. Hey, finally. Yeah. Party <laughs> uh, sticks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. Um, <laughs> I love this movie. I think this is one of my favorite musicals. Um, I think that this is one of the smartest musicals until the end, which I don't necessarily love. But um, I think Audrey Hepburn's performance in this movie is fantastic. Um, even if it's not her singing, she's still doing a really good job performing it. Uh, Rex Harrison, I really like a lot. I love the story of this flower girl who basically just, like, she just wants to live happily. And she meets this linguist who basically bets his friend that he can turn her uh, into, like, a princess in the eyes of, like, the people. Um, and I... The, the chemistry between all of them is great. Uh, 
her father is fantastic with a little bit of luck and get me to the church on time or fantastic songs. It's got, uh, wouldn't it be loverly the rain in Spain. Um, I could have danced all night and the, I think the smartest song is I've grown accustomed to her face because throughout the entire movie, Rex Harrison's character of Henry Higgins is speak singing. Uh, and it's not until he discovers his and uh, releases his actual emotions that he starts to sing melodically. I think that's just a brilliant move. Um, I think this movie is really, really smart, really well shot. Um, and I, I love I love this movie. Uh, I had this. This was my number 100. Uh, this was the very first movie I brought up on this list. Uh, and I, like, I think it's great. Um, I think that this movie is just... It's exactly what it needs to be. Uh, it's almost three hours long, and it doesn't feel it. Uh, my personal favorite moment in this film is I love the Ascot Gavotte. Uh, I think that just the choreography and the visual style of it is brilliant audrey hepburn is so charming in this movie despite the fact that for the first half of the film listening to her voice is like <laughs> supposed to hurt you um i think i think it's great i think rex harrison is doing a great job uh you can complain about his speak singing all you want but like bar said it makes sense and they justify it within the narrative of the film i think this movie's great the rain in spain falls mainly on the plane Listen, the only I reason I like this movie is for the Cockney accents, okay? Like, I wish I had that rough British accent that seemed like I was pissed off every time I talked. Listen, listen not a bad movie. This movie's just too fucking long. It doesn't take this long to get a woman to not speak. The, like, good lord, this is a school year. This is a school year that they go through. Good lord. It's almost three plus hours to get the girl to speak English like properly that she doesn't sound like she's from the gutter. Kill me. Like, there's some great songs, but 180, 70, you put it in 36. To pop this movie in every day, you have to be a guy named Andrew James Barr. Because if not, you would no chance in hell of, like, Where's my monocle? Oh my gosh. I wish Rex Harrison was around so he could kick the shit out of you because he would even <laughs> say this is too high. Um, what, uh, Nazario and uh, Mike, my fair lady, how close was this to making your list? I think that the closer we get to number one, the more I will turn into the guy that keeps saying this for their list. I haven't seen it. It's a musical. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> if they start squirting blood, call me. Tell them, <laughs> no thanks. All right, let's take a try. Oh, you definitely, it. man, you're two for two on AFI, so let's see if you get another one. Nope. Nope, not going to happen this time, uh, except if it's the AFI Top 100 Horror Movies, because it's John Carpenter's Halloween. Yikes. Nice. I feeling. I'm totally shocked. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I am... <laughs> I don't even know where to go anymore. Um, go ahead. Go to your next <laughs> uh, My number 34 is one of my favorite movies from the 90s. Uh, it is also one of my favorite crime movies. Uh, it is L.A. Confidential. All right. Uh, L.A. Confidential. Um, it is just this great ensemble movie. Um, Guy Pierce is just killing this in, 
in this movie. Like this is this is the best performance Guy Pierce has ever made. Um and the dynamic between him and um Russell Crowe and Christopher Plummer, Kevin Spacey. Um it's really great the back and forth between Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito uh is fantastic. The mystery element of this is just amazing. Uh, the direction behind it is really great. There's this one great monologue that Guy Pierce has at the end that just is utterly fantastic. Um, and it's just really, really well told, really well paced, uh, really interesting. This whole idea of Kim Basinger being uh, a prostitute, but she's made to look like a famous movie star from like the classic era of Hollywood and this whole ring of them all being different Hollywood starlets, I think is a really interesting, uh, a really interesting idea. Um, yeah, this movie should have beaten Titanic at the Oscars. Uh, it's fantastic. No, it shouldn't have. Yeah, um, but no, it shouldn't have. Um, say what you want. Titanic is, Titanic is almost a masterpiece. Um, Confidential. Uh, there's a reason I don't like this movie. Um, uh, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, Release the top 100. It is, it is guilty by circumstances alone. I'll be honest with you. I watched yeah. it, and because yeah. I was on call with a certain someone for like 45 minutes, as they drilled it in my head that I have to see this. You don't oh. understand what you're missing. It is brilliant, it is brilliant, it is brilliant. Um, it's about as good as his name. Um, so other than that, like, I think it's a fine movie. It's just not a thing that I go back to and he probably ruined it for me. So that's fair. Um, everybody else on LA confidential. I haven't seen it. I'm shocked. I actually actually have seen this movie and I actually think it's actually really good, but it's one of those movies that, uh, I saw it in 1997. I got it. I did consider at the time that it was one of the best movies of the year, but for some reason, never rewatched it, uh, never felt the need to go back to it. Christopher Plummer is awesome in that movie, but eh, I don't know. It, it's some one of those things that you expect from AFI, so sure. I'm the same as Nazario. I saw it in 97. I enjoyed it. I just haven't seen it since. Man, you all saw that movie before I was born. Um, just also about... I, I I got in an argue with a coworker about Titanic, and they said, "Why is James Cameron doing a sequel to Avatar instead of Titanic?" And I sat there for I sat there for literally four minutes to hoping that they would realize why they're not making the sequel to Titanic. Never caught up. Um, he doesn't work for us anymore. Um, okay, so what's your? Oh, that's we're done yeah. with Bar. Thank God. Mike, by the way, can we also say he put Halloween? I know it's a yikes, we're not going to talk about it, but he picked like the most classic, like, of horror movies to put on his list at that point. He's like, well, I'm going to put the first Halloween. Yeah, of course. Bar's always bar. Mike, (laughs) tell us about the movies that we should watch, but we probably won't. Go ahead. Okay, 37, I have Fellowship of the Ring. Hell yes. Yeah. No, I'm surprised nobody has it. So I know that. No one, okay. So oh, fucking yikes. Real quick. Can I just do this? If okay, do you guys have two towers of Return of the King? Okay, fuck it. I have them all back to back. I'm talking about all three of them right now. Fuck yeah. it. All back to back. My 37 <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking talk about it. Wait a minute. 
The moment no they one, said no one had fellowship, I knew it happened. I can explain. <laughs> <laughs> Mike won this episode by a mile. By a mile. Yeah. He can oh, put Pee-wee's Big Adventure at 31. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Winner. Winner. Go ahead and talk, because I'm glad to talk to you afterwards. I love the hell out of these movies. Like I've already mentioned two Peter Jackson movies. I love Peter Jackson, and for him to take the world of Middle Earth and put it on screen is a fucking task in itself, and he does it amazing. The world is incredible. The fucking, like, yes, it is a story about people walking to a volcano <laughs> to drop in a ring. I love the explanation of it. It's fucking amazing, but the trees walk in the movies, I don't care. I love the story of all these characters. I love Frodo, Sam, Mary, Pippin, Aragorn, all of them. The process of what they go through. I love the books. I love the fact that it like fucking go it he entered in fellowship, he introduces the characters so fucking amazingly. Each individually you get little aspects of them throughout. And then when they split them apart in two towers and you got Aragorn, you got Gimli, and you got Legolas by themselves for part of it while they're trying to look for Mary and Pippin, and then you got Sam and Frodo by themselves with Gollum. I love how it unfolds with their story separately, all the way to Helm's Deep. Then they come together for fucking uh, um, Gondor. It's just like the battle scenes are fucking insanity. I've never seen battle scenes done so fucking well in a fantasy movie like the these movies do. And Peter Jackson is a fucking genius with these movies. I actually used to have these. I used to have Return of the King in my top ten, but. Other movies have come and gone, and I hadn't really watched Lord of the Rings the last couple of years until last year. I started rewatching them, and they're still fucking incredible. Peter Jackson is a fucking genius with these movies, and I think this is a perfect trilogy together. It's fucking incredible. You bow to no one. Um, I just watched these. I would almost do the exact same thing Mike did. I would keep them in order. I think they are all five-star films. I love every bit of these movies. Um, I get it. Uh, to describe my dad, walk, walk, walk. <laughs> movie two, walk, walk. Step over something, walk, walk. Except movie three, walk, walk. We're done. Um, pretty sure he stole that from a comedian at some point, but I didn't watch it. So um, Overall, I think these movies are brilliant. I think uh, two is my favorite, um, so I would have two higher, but I understand. Break it down in order. Um, I watched them just probably a month ago. It was it, it draws you back into that world, and it just – it's something that's so immersive and so – like I couldn't – they were long, but I didn't feel the runtime. And I know people say they feel the runtime. I do not. I am just immersed, and by the time I look down at my phone, because the credits are rolling, I'm like, holy shit, it is lo- that was long. But I absolutely adore these movies. I think they're brilliant for you guys to not even have one, any of them, on Top 100. How fucking dare you? Um, go ahead. Tell me why all three could have missed everybody's list. Okay, so uh, I really like these movies a lot. I think... Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think I think if you were to t- if if I was like a professor at a film college and I wanted to teach a uh, a class on creating a world in cinema, I would definitely go to Lord of the Rings. Um, and I think that uh, 
the performances and like the makeup and all of that is just great. It's just not something that I return to a lot. Um, so that's the main reason it's not in my hundred. But my fair lady, got to go back for that. <laughs> I do. Let her turn, let him learn. Look, look, she can speak. Um, I'll, uh, I, uh, go ahead. I did, a, I did not uh, put him on my list because I actually feel these movies work as a package. Like you couldn't put like one of the three movies without considering the, including the other two, because it feels incomplete. More than other movies that make trilogies that every movie feels like a chapter, this just feels like a one story thing that he had to split into three different movies. And I wasn't going to sacrifice three spots for it, even though I do, have, do think it's one of the milestones in cinema history. I just wish Peter Jackson would give up on online trivia and go back to make a movie. <laughs> He should because it's not working out for him. I'll tell you that much. Um, I think he's under yeah. contract with Full Metal, though. Um, Vizario kind of hit on the head why it's not on my list as well. I consider the three. What? What is wrong, Coho? The mic is rough. Uh, it's what it switched. Other mic. There is that better? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. It auto swapped to my other mic. Um, Nazario basically hit it on the head for me. I think the three of these work like I consider the Lord of the Rings trilogy to be just one big movie. And I knew I I knew you probably wouldn't let me get away with including it as just one movie, and I didn't want to give three spots to this franchise. I'll Wait, be honest with you, I can find three movies to come from your list right now. Oh yeah, um, and, and it's it's footloose and then movies that I'm gonna bring up later today. Yeah. Tell me, Mike, you, you know, go ahead. You won the list. What's your 34? I'm curious. Uh, my 34 is uh, Yikes from earlier, I believe. Psycho. Hey. Oh. I adore this movie so much. My favorite Hitchcock movie. I love the fact that it's 50 minutes until the shower scene, and it's done brilliantly. The uh, build-up to that is so fucking incredible with Janet Lee, and when you have Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins with a back-and-forth while they're sitting in his office talking about um, taxidermy and talking about just life in general, you start get, getting the feel of Anthony Perkins. He plays this so fucking brilliantly to where, yeah, mo majority of people knew the twist before they saw the movie. Pretty, It's fucking been you know, talked about, made fun of for years. Everyone already knows the twist to it, but I just love the build-up to it. And the rest of it, you have about what, 40 minutes after that? 40 minutes after the shower scene, and it just fucking flies by, and it's so fucking great bringing in what they do. Anthony Perkins is fucking incredible as Norman Bates. He's fucking amazing, and to have, have the thing back then of killing your main actress halfway through the fucking movie is insanity to think about. But knowing that big a name gets fucking off to right away. The shower scene is one of the most brilliantly shot fucking scenes ever. I love the hell out of this movie. Give me more fucking Norman Bates. So I'm gonna. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah this, was, this was my number eighty-three. Um, I think that I really love Hitchcock's direction of this movie. Um, there's an entire documentary on the shower scene and how amazing, yeah. like why it's so amazing. Uh, I also really like Martin Balsam in this movie as the detective. He's really great in everything that he's in, and this is one of those movies that he really does get to stand out. 
And I love the scene with him on the stairwell with that dolly zoom shot. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, – oh, why am I blanking on her name? It's um, Janet Lee. I kept wanting to say Vivian. Uh, Janet Lee in this movie is great. Like when you see her face when she's in the car and she sees her boss, fantastic, fantastic acting. Um, it's not my favorite Hitchcock. We'll get to that later. Um, but, yeah, this one's great. So... Not a Hitchcock fan. I don't like Hitchcock. I don't think he's bad. It's just not my go-to director. Um, I I knew everything going into this movie because people are terrible with spoilers this long into a movie, so that's fair. Um, but again, not a bad movie. I think it's fine. The sad thing is, like, people kill me for this comment, but hopefully it ages better. I don't know what movie it is. I think it's the Hitch. I think it's called Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? I love that <laughs> learning about Hitchcock more than I love pretty much any movie. <laughs> I love North by Northwest, but overall, like I will watch the Anthony Hopkins Hitchcock before I pop in another Hitchcock, which is probably sacrilegious to say, and I'm okay with admitting it because Hitchcock. Yeah, um, Hopkins is great in that movie. I will say he's great. Hell, um, he'd rather watch Hitch. <laughs> yeah, I would. Oh, absolutely. Give me <laughs> Will Smith and get absolutely. Um, uh, so anybody else on Psycho? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't love this movie. Um, I. It's interesting because, like, I'm not a horror guy because I don't like to be scared. But also, when I go around watching a horror movie, and then it doesn't scare me, I'm disappointed. Um, <laughs> and Psycho is kind of that exact experience where I'm like, "Oh yeah, a horror movie. This isn't scary. This is. It's more of a mystery than a horror to me. Uh, I. It's it's not a movie for me." I mean, you gotta think it was made in the 60s, so it has to be 60s scary. Of course, it's not gonna have the same sensibility. It's like when I watched this movie for the first time with my wife, she called it out, like, what was gonna happen, like, 20 minutes in. It's just not of our time. I really respect it. I really think it's one of his top five movies, but uh, I do like other movies from him better. He may show up later. He may not. The funny thing I, I, uh, I've always thought about this is that this is one of the Hitchcock posters, uh, where basically they put the, the picture of the guy saying like, don't spoil the movie, keep the secrets and whatever. And everybody fucking spoils Psycho, so. This movie is the reason that um, there are separate theaters now yeah. for movie screens because Hitchcock didn't want people to walk in at a random time and just catch the twist and get confused. Hmm. Okay. Cam. All right. Um, my number 37 is a yikes from earlier, uh, and that is Little Shop of Horrors. Stops here. Stops here. All right. Um, Should I? I love, I love this movie. I think this movie is, uh, is just awesome. I think the music in it is so fun uh, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Rick Moranis is great. 
Uh, Levi Stubbs as the voice of Audrey 2 is the best thing about this movie. Uh, he does such a good job bringing this character to life uh, just with the voice. Uh, the added original song of Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is fantastic. Uh, and it, it was nominated for the Oscar, and I can't remember what it lost to, but as far as I'm concerned, it should have won because it's a great song. Um, I think... Um, what is her name? Audrey. Ellen Green. Ellen Green as Audrey is... Uh, I know she's not for everyone. I know that Caleb Coho backstage is gonna uh, talk about how he does about how he doesn't like her performance. I think she's great. Uh, Steve Martin as Oren Scrivello, the dentist, is is absolutely hilarious. Uh, I need a long, slow root canal. Yeah, I'm thinking a long, slow root canal. Like, like this movie's full of just great moments of comedy and also like fantastic moments of drama and then like it's a really cool like like i know the word horror is in the title it's not really a horror movie it's like a really cool sci-fi movie that just happens to be uh happens to be filled with murder. lots to take my breath away from top gun screw that give it to me and green mother from outer space in a heartbeat um no i i think this movie's fantastic i think it's just fun uh yeah i had this movie in my Top 102. I think I had a 90, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Rick Moranis, it's a treasure. He is the incredible as Seymour in this movie. How he pines for Audrey and even to name the, the, the plan Audrey too. And yeah, the voice work on the plan is hilarious. Treat me, Seymour! I mean, it's just other level shit. And also, it has a fun cameo of Bill Murray as a, as a sadist who likes to get Long pain from Steve Martin. <laughs> And that and that that scene where Steve Martin wants to be uh, wants to give pain and then he realizes the other guy loves it and he just gets frustrated with it. It's brilliant. If you're gonna watch this movie, I do recommend to seek out uh, the director director's cut from Frank Oz. Uh, yeah. The theater the, the studio changed the ending for theaters because they thought it was too grim, uh, but it's hilarious. I mean, it works way better than yeah the, no watch uh, watch the good ending not the theatrical ending yeah uh mike did you have this no okay uh <laughs> it's a musical i forgot um it's uh it's my number 99 um i the reason it's as low as it is is because of the ending uh the the, the theatrical ending is nowhere near as good as the directorial ending um and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of uh ellen green was it uh that is yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Ellen Green. However, I think that the music is great. Rick Moranis is a Canadian treasure. Um, I and I really like Frank Oz's direction in this movie. The suppertime sequence is actually like part one and part two are actually really tense. And I'd actually really love to see Frank Oz direct a horror film. I think Frank Oz would do a really good job with that after seeing those two particular scenes in this movie. Um, but this movie's just a whole bunch of fun. Uh, and I hum the songs every once in a while uh, without even thinking about it. Oh, this is fine. This is a fine musical. I don't think it's amazing. Um, I'm a hundred percent with Coho. I think Ellen Green is not great in this movie. I don't understand the love. I think she's fine at best. Um, 
it's just not one of the musicals I go back to. Like, there are certain groups in this community that really, really like it because it's. It, I think it gets a lot of more credit because it's a different musical than traditional musicals because it has a lot of like murder elements to it, like that makes people like dismember. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Murder, dismember. Yeah, murder. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not. I don't. I don't like honestly like the soundtrack that much. I don't think it's. I don't think it's even like a. Yeah, even I wouldn't consider any of them top musical songs, honestly. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's okay at best. Uh, Thirty-seven. Yikes! Ninety-nine. Sure, that's the where I would put it. I, I believe Mike has not talked about it yet either. I did. Uh, oh, sorry. I, I thought, I thought, I I thought you were asking me to go to thirty-six. Sorry, I got. Oh, Jake Marangoni showed up on this show, too. Um, <laughs> I, I almost died today. Hey, Cody, how did this show work? Uh, yeah. Hey, Mike, what would you think about Little Shop before? <laughs> I've seen the first 15 minutes. I enjoyed it. I just haven't actually watched the rest of it. So I need to actually fucking watch the rest of it. <laughs> um, love it. Love it. Ever. Okay. Uh, now, can you go to 36 for me? Hey, at least I know to stop at 38 at the beginning three and know that it's only three. Uh, my 36 doesn't matter because Barr's going to yikes it. My 36 is West Side Story. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> yeah. Later episode. Fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Barr, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, my number 35, I have no idea what way this is going to go. My 35 is uh, the original The Karate Kid. I had that earlier, I think. Does someone have that already? Yeah, eighty-seven. Cool. Um, I'm gonna say it again. I think I've said it before in this series. Uh, this is a sports movie, and I like it, which speaks volumes about how good I think it is. Um, I think it's a great like teen coming of age story, while also being like a really good sports movie uh, about a sport that not a lot of people really think of when they think of sports. Um, I think that uh, it's just fantastic. I think uh, Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi is absolutely brilliant. The scene where you learn about like what happened to his family uh, is heartbreaking, and just watching him in that scene is so sad, but then you can also see him be just like this big, boisterous, joyful guy, like when uh, he gives Daniel the car and the two of them are just, like, screaming, like, Banzai! Back at each other. I think it's just, like, a really, really fun time. Uh, I think the soundtrack and the score to this movie are fantastic. Uh, William Zabka uh, is great. Uh, also, this movie spawned the show Cobra Kai, and Cobra Kai is a dope show, and if you haven't watched it, watch it. It should be coming to Netflix sometime soon. It's really, really cool. I love this movie. It tells the story of a young high school kid who has it all until this guy just come from out of town and wrecks everything for him. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Johnny Lawrence was like the top guy in school. And then he gets in a little bit with the guy, he messes him up and then he gets told not to bother him anymore. And he stopped. <laughs> but suddenly, months later in a Halloween party, the, the kid comes back and like throws shit at him while he's in the bathroom. I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. He's asking for it. The end is kind of heartbreaking, though, because, you know, you, you are rooting for, for Johnny Lawrence to actually win and get his life back on track, and then they, he loses to an illegal kick in the face. That, that's just sad. 
This movie is great. Uh, never look at the remake. I really, really, really hate the Kung Fu Kid called Karate Kid. That movie feels like something made from Hallmark TV. And it's just embarrassing compared to the original. The series is not as great, though. Uh, the second one is okay. The third one is not good, uh, but nostalgic if you saw it in the 80s. And the fourth one, uh, no. So stick with the first one and watch Cobra Kai because it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm 100% with Nazario. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, if you root for the crane kick, you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> uh, legal move. Uh, but I will say, you're the best around. Uh, that song is one of the best pump-up songs to ever happen. Uh, Smowdown related. So love when Mark Riley won and that song played. Um, he's not the best around, but it was good. Um Overall, I think the movie's really good. Um, I, you sure this isn't the one with Jackie Chan? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I would have shouted out my boy Jaden Smith and Taraji P. Henson if, if it was. Okay, I was just curious because you Footloose was on your list, and then we were earlier, so Look, I didn't know Cody, where we were it's going. about to get worse. Um, uh, okay, but this one is great. I I still find this movie entertaining. Uh, Cobra Kai kind of you know made me think, um, and uh, <laughs> once I look back. He's an asshole. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody else on this one. I'm 100 percent with Cody Nazario. It's a fucking Johnny movie, man. Cobra Kai all the fucking way. All he was doing was smoking a J in the bathroom, and he gets fucked with. And then an old motherfucker has to come and kick the shit out of them for no goddamn reason. All they wanted to do was smoke the J. I love this movie. It's fucking incredible. Crane kick. Fuck that kick. Sweep yeah. the leg all the way. Put him in a body bag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the leg sweep would have been at least legal. Um, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I rem- it, it holds a special place in my heart, but it's been a while since I've seen it. So I think I just need to rewatch it. Stop watching My Fair Lady and watch Karate Kid. Um, all right, thirty-four. This yeah. is where I die. Uh, this is where I die. Look, I'm a teenager. Um, I was a teenager at the time that I submitted this list. Uh, I am irresponsible. I like movies about teenagers being teenagers. Hey, Cody, what's 34 divided by 2? I'm not answering your question. <laughs> I, I foolishly expected him to put the edge of 70. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Cameron Altman, Destroyer look, of Dreams. Look, oh, this man. is another one of those movies where, like, on any objective, like, the best movies ever quality, I can't defend it. I can't. Uh, this is a movie that just I love, and I won't apologize for it. Uh, I think it's just real fun. Uh, I think Zac Efron actually legitimately gives a very good performance in this. Uh, I think Matthew Perry is just so good at being done with the world at the beginning of this movie. Uh, Thomas Lennon is such a great, fun, supporting character. Um, I think, like, there's just so many good, fun jokes and also heartwarming moments. Like, the scene where he's in court and he's actually, like, talking about how he won't let his kids get taken away from him, despite the fact that he's now the 17-year-old kid and can't let anyone know who it is, I think is actually, like, 
really well acted. Uh, I think the story's cool. Uh, Bill Murray's brother is in it, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah, no, I knew I knew I was gonna get the reactions I did from this. I knew that uh, I was gonna get in trouble and that um, this wasn't gonna go over well. Uh, but I love this movie and I will not apologize. Seventeen again, rip me to pieces, Cody. <laughs> If you still need help finding three movies to replace it so you can put Lord of the Rings oh, on yeah. here, I will no, like offer... like I said, it, this is going to be one... I will offer you an auto... Like, you can edit the list on right now. Save face. Put Fellowship of the Ring right where 17 is again. And make things right in the world. Because you've got to be fucking kidding me if you think Matthew Perry and Zac Efron deserve 34 on this list. I'm not, I'm not changing anything. Like this case, I don't see ya. <laughs> <laughs> this may put you in, like, permanent band status. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, you may be up there with Sandy Robinson and Cody, I promise Lay. next week we'll make up for this. I promise. Hey, let's check the, uh, the Hall of Fame. I promise not even a Hall of Fame. We'll this will be this. a new place that I will <laughs> send him to Planet Fafluga. Um, <laughs> I promise next week we'll make up for this. I, what do you want? Okay, okay. Um, somebody else talk. I'm I'm done. <coughs> Apparently, no one loves Zephron more than Cameron Holtzman does. Uh, the only time he showed no, up on he, the list. He doesn't even love Zephron. He put seventeen again of all things. He, hey, High School Musical three was close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're all in this. Not together. a joke. Uh, uh, oh, I no, believe me. I knew that wasn't a joke. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this, this is not even the best movie made by Matthew Perry, and he doesn't make good movies. <laughs> No! No! Just no. Mike. I've seen parts of it when I worked at the video store. I don't really remember it, so I cannot comment. Matthew Perry's Funny and Friends. I don't know about movies for the most part, with the exception of maybe one. Yeah. He turned it off every time he put it on to start it and then put something <laughs> else on. What a rightful human being should do. Um, Nasario, can you help me? So, 37. I'm 37. 34. Yes. <laughs> Works. 37. Yeah, that was a yikes from my lawyer from me. Uh, this movie's brilliant. I mean, it's all in the writing. The guy wrote, uh, how many pages was it, Mike? 155 pages yeah. for this movie? Yeah. It's a movie... Honestly, that it worked a lot with me when I saw it. I, I didn't see it as early as it came out. I, I saw it when I was a, uh, a little older, like uh, 15, 16 years old. And I identify with the characters. Because, you know, at that time, when you're getting working at some kind of retail job, you really hate the customers. That is just <laughs> like human, that's human nature. And 
and they were smart too. They discussed things that I enjoyed discussing. And yes, it's the, the things that happen in one day are freaking bonkers. But they, they make it work all in the dialogue with clever dialogue. Randall is still my hero. The man, the man despises people and he's not shy about it. And he somehow keeps going in life. I wish I could be that much of a dick, even though I'm kind of a dick. But uh, yeah, Kevin Smith's directorial debut uh, may not be his best movie, but is uh, definitely one of his more memorable ones. Randall is the guy everybody wants to be at a job. He is 100% the guy everybody wants to be at a job, and he's, he, he fucking spits in a customer's face during <laughs> the movie. It's fucking hilarious. These two guys are so smart, so witted. They're one of the best friendships in a movie together because they are polar opposites from each other, but they work so well together. Kevin Smith, he saw Slackers. He went, hey, I can do that too. And he wrote a movie with all of the stuff he loved in it, and it's just packed full. Yes, if you grew up around this time, you 100% are with this movie because you see everything that you fucking love going on the screen. There's one other Kevin Smith movie that I love more than this and going to be talking about it later on, but I love the hell out of this movie. It is so funny. Rip us to shreds, Cody. Uh, I mean, you said a correct phrase. It's a movie. (laughs) That it is. It's a movie. Um, it ain't my movie. Um, Kevin Smith, me and him are not friends. I promise you. Um, not amigos. So, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing against it. Just not my type of movie. Um, let me tell you, it's better than Seventeen again. Um, so, anybody else? Uh, yeah, I know my opinion doesn't matter anymore. Um, but I hate this movie. Um, I said it earlier in the show. I'll say it again. Kevin Smith is super not my director, and this movie is super duper not my movie. Uh, I, there's just so much about this movie that, like, is not for Cameron, whether it be uh, making love to a corpse, uh, or... Man, I don't. I just. I. I hate this movie. I go to bar. <laughs> the more and more, like the longer and longer I work in retail, the longer and longer I realize how truthful this movie is. I have seen so many milk moms. I have seen so many people looking for the perfect dozen. Like, this movie, I never realized how much I identify with Randall until recently. It's not on my hundred, but you know what? It might make it next year. It might crack it next year. Uh, I see a few movies, and by the way, I don't like that this is created where Boatman... Uh, has sucked 37 dicks. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's something I would like to erase. In a row? <laughs> okay. Um, go to your 36, Nazario. Uh, for now, for something completely different. Uh, my 36 is Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. Hmm. Okay. This is one of the best pieces Are you of- surprised? 
Are you surprised no one else thinks this? <laughs> I mean, Mike did, Mike did rewatch all the Studio Ghibli movies for fandom like two years ago. I expected something. But this is one of the best animated movies of all time, not made by Disney. It's a beautifully drawn thing. It's a fable. It's the story set in the wilderness of Japan in in the era when the it was becoming uh, I don't remember the word in English. Damn it, industrial. When the industrial age was becoming uh, a thing. So it starts with Princess Shikata getting uh, poisoned by a a bored god, a bored demon, because he has been poisoned by a, a bullet in his body, and. It actually sends him on his uh, his mission to try to understand things with uh, by seeing it with eyes unclouded by hate. He finds uh, this village led by Lady Boshi, who's basically a, a very feminist leader who only wants women working for her making ammunition. And she's taking this ammunition to try to conquer the forest because the forest has been defended by the god animals. It's a movie that it's about... Uh, industrialization is a movie about feminism is a movie about nature versus man and how we must find a balance so we can all coexist or we will all die the voice cast in the pixar dub are actually excellent all around uh jillian anderson as the leader of the wolves uh it's just it's a it's a beautiful piece of animation that really crowd up as princess chitaka by the way and lady boshi is mini driver and Princess Monoke, it's uh, I forgot her name, Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Which is actually uh, really all good all around. The movie is a beautiful thing to look at. It has a, a intense, beautiful message. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's uh, Miyazaki's top three movies. So please go and watch it. Uh, I haven't seen it. Um, I started now that they're all on uh, HBO Max or most of them. I'm going to start watching them. I just haven't started yet. So, who else? Anybody else? Uh, it's on that list. Added to my list. You know what? Since it's December right now, I guess we can, you know, rule the joke to end it. I've never seen a Ghibli movie. <laughs> I, <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing the joke for long. I've never seen any of them. <laughs> We've been doing this joke for two years. <laughs> Never seen any of them. Might watch it. Might not. Did Fuck you it. log them on Letterboxd? I might have logged one or two of them. <laughs> I don't know if I did or not. But I think I might have. <laughs> Just keep it going. That makes that even better. Respect. Um. Uh... I really like Studio Ghibli. This is one of the ones that I just have not gotten around to yet. I had it queued up on Netflix the other day, uh, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch garbage movies to study for trivia instead. So instead of watching uh, Princess Mononoke, I watched Rob Marshall's Nine because I hate myself. Cool. Uh, 35, Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. Who hurt you? <laughs> okay. This movie actually was the one that put Aronofsky on the map for me. Uh, I, I know he made Pi before. I saw Pi after this movie. And even though it's a solid movie, I still think this is kind of like his magnum opus. It's basically a movie that puts you in the position of a drug addict. And it shows you how heartbreaking that can be for everybody. It follows the story 
uh, of four people, uh, Jared Leto, Jennifer Collin, uh, Connolly, Marlon Wayans, I think, I want to say Ellen Burstein. Yeah. Ellen Burstein, I forgot yeah. her name. Yeah, that's it? Yeah. Okay. Ellen Burstein, yes. Uh, basically, uh, she's the mother of, Le of Jared Leto, who is addicted uh, to speed pills that make her happy. And he's addicted to heroin with his girlfriend, Jennifer Connelly, and his best friend, who's Marlon, Marlon Wayans. This movie, it's heartbreaking in the way it shows how addiction can become a, a habit, a part of your life. It becomes a regular thing that, that he just goes to his mom's house and takes out the TV and goes pawn it because he needs money for drugs. And then she just goes and gets it back. And she starts actually taking uh, diet pills that it end up being speed pills just because she wants to lose some weight to be on a TV show so she can look young and happy again. And this just keeps rolling the ball to the point that it becomes unmanageable and everybody's life it just goes into the worst possible way. People end up in the mental hospital, people lose limbs, people end up in jail, people end up selling themselves for money for drugs. And it's, and every time that they show the state of the person that is affected by the drug, they use, he uses camera tricks and, and, and effects that make seem reality altered. The soundtrack is amazing, the performances by everybody in, in it is great. And I think it's a very, very strong message. And honestly, it's the second movie with Jennifer Collins standing on a pier next to the ocean that I put on this list. And they're both excellent. Um, you already brought up City of God, right? Yes. So in a debate, famously, I had to debate that why Requiem for a Dream is the best movie about drugs versus City of God, and I can't even think of what Henry picked. Um, I don't remember. Requiem for a Dream is a thrill ride of a movie. Will I ever watch this movie again? Probably not. I don't think there's a need because it is literally burned into my brain. Um I could tell you exactly what happens. I could probably answer any trivia question about this movie from my first experience with it because it's that impactful. Do I would it be one of my favorite films? Probably not, but I respect it because of the way it made me feel during it. It just makes me sad. I've had family members that suffer from substance abuse, so this one hits really close to home. And basically, they become a form of themselves. And where it like the mom basically goes down the same rabbit, like the same hole that is her kid went down where he, she was like, and it's like those positive influence, anything like people can change out of that lifestyle. You just need the positive influence to do that. And like, and these are what these characters need this entire time and they just don't get it. Um, so it's, it's a rough movie. Um, but I, I think if you haven't seen it, I deserves a watch. I think it honestly is very impactful. Um, it's one of Aronofsky's best, I think. Um, what does everybody else think about Rec Room? This is a movie I haven't seen yet because I know that I need to be in the right mood and the right mindset in order to watch it, so I haven't yet. Yeah, uh, I added this to my Amazon Prime watch list knowing full well that the odds of me ever actually watching this movie are slim to none because from what I know about this, whoo boy, not a Cameron movie. I'm with Cody to where 
I've seen it once. It is just so dark and goes to places I probably won't ever rewatch this movie again because of where it goes. I this is a good fucking movie, but damn, it is a movie I don't think I can ever go back to. Okay, uh, sticking with the depressing mood, my number thirty-four is Lars von Trier's Breaking the Waves. <laughs> oh my god, a Lars von Trier after an Aronofsky. Okay. Do we need to send somebody to your house? <laughs> you know, as, soon, as soon as this episode's over, I want you to go and I want you to like hug your son. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I actually uh, tried to rewatch some of these movies so they're fresher on my mind when we're doing these episodes. And my, my wife was like, Hey, you're gonna watch a movie. What are you gonna watch? I was like, one of these ten. She's like, nope. <laughs> back outside. So, uh, breaking the waves is actually a, a very simple story about a, a very strict religious village uh, in a remote place, where uh, the main character is a is a girl who's a little uh, is a little slow. Uh, I don't know if they actually make a, a, the case that she is autistic or what it is, but she's a little simple. And she is meant to marry Stellan Skarsgård. And she's played by uh, Emily Watson. She And she's meant to marry Stellan Skarsgård, this guy that it works on one of those oil rigs and he just comes to town for like a bit. And everybody thinks it's a bad idea because her family is very protective of her. Uh, but they get married and they are happy for a bit. And then he has she, she actually wishes, she actually asks God that she doesn't want to lose him because every time he goes back to the ring, she breaks down and cries and has an emotional breakdown because she cannot process those feelings of uh, abandonment and loneliness. So she asks God to make him stay. And the way he stays is that he has an accident where he breaks his neck and becomes paraplegic and he can never go back. So she feels guilty about this and she starts talking back to God, saying that, she, if she needs to pay the price because of what she asked, so she can walk it and she will pay it. She, the scenes where she talks to God is basically she changing her own voice. She starts praying and then she answers herself with like a, a grave voice. And at the, they never make it clear during the movie that she actually makes you feel like she's just talking to herself. She's like, that's her way to process religion. But then the movie takes a turn that Something actually uh, supernatural might be going on. Uh, it goes into a very dark place. The price that she decides that she needs to pay for his help, it's, it's rough, it's heartbreaking. But since you, you live the whole movie with her, you, you, you're taking with her and you kind of hope she gets what she wants. But it's definitely a heavy movie. It's a long movie. I think it's almost three hours long. And yeah. oh boy. I've seen it three times in my life, and every time I kind of put pause on it for like eight years. It's it's hardcore. It's a really great movie, but it's you need to be in a place to see it. No one else had this one. <laughs> I was just making sure. Um, this is a movie that I. The only reason I know this movie exists is because of my aunt. We had a movie night weekend, basically. It was during a snowstorm. They came to visit. We were stopped. She picked this one. 
if we could have kicked her out of the family after this movie, we would have. <laughs> it was that close. I asked my mom if I could leave numerous times. She told me no. <laughs> they sat through the Lion King, which I'm sorry. <laughs> That's 82 minutes. This thing was three hours. Um, will I ever revisit this? Hell no. Um, my aunt was crying. She loved every minute of it. I thought it was beautiful. No. Sorry. Sorry, Nazario. Not a Cody movie by any means. Everybody else on Breaking the Waves. Okay. So, Lars von Trier is one of those directors that is so hard to watch because of the topics that he writes about. Uh, He's a psychopath, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. I know there's, I'm pretty sure there's another Von Trier movie that's going to appear on Nazario's list later. Yeah, figured. And if it's the one I'm thinking of, oh God. Um, This is a two and a half hour Von Trier movie. I haven't seen it. I don't plan on watching it. Haven't seen it. Don't. I've seen one Von Trier movie. I'm pretty sure it's the one Nazar is going to bring up later. Uh, it seems like Von Trier wants you to hate yourself the way he appears to. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Lars Von Trier gives me depression, and I don't need that. I have that doesn't make the movies out bad, though. Lars Von Trier is actually one of the more interesting directors working today. Just a heads up, don't pick it for a movie night. Um, Bar, what's your 33? Uh, It was the uh, yikes I had from Nazario earlier. It's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, I love this movie. I love the wild creativity that is showcased in this movie from the dream world um, that Jim Carrey's character goes through. It's wild, it's unpredictable, but it's also emotional and heartbreaking and heartwarming and everything. Um, I really like uh, both Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet in this movie are phenomenal. Kirsten Dunst in this movie is actually one of my favorite Kirsten Dunst performances. Um, And I love the interaction between all of the people from that facility uh, with her and Mark Ruffalo and uh, uh, Elijah Wood. Um, it's it's so well done, and the best, as I said, the best part of this movie is just the wild creativity combined with a really, really emotional story about the importance of remembering the good times that you've had with people that you may no longer interact well with, and I think it's such a a really good um, a really good theme that is tackled really, really brilliantly in this movie. I had this movie, this episode, and yes, this movie is uh, beautiful to watch. Uh, the way Michelle Gondry uses uh, different tricks for effects to portray when he's supposed to be a kid, and when he's trying, the, the imagination gone into the scenes where he's trying, when he changes his mind, and he decides that he doesn't want to lose Clementine anymore, and he starts trying to hide her inside of other memories, and he's supposed to be a 10-year-old, but he's still Jim Carrey, and he's smaller than everybody else. 
and then he runs into another part uh, of his memory where he thinks that they won't be able to find him. It's inventive as hell, and it's really, really interesting. And I actually took a... Yes, it is important to remember the people that you love. But I think uh, it's also important to remember the heartbreak because uh, that's the only way you can grow. If you forget the lessons learned with a relationship that don't work, how will you stop yourself from making the same mistakes when you're trying to find the person who's truly supposed to be with you? The other way, the other thing that I really love about this film is that the ending is actually pretty hopeful and romantic because people who take each other out of their lives out of spite in a moment's decision that was very impulsive somehow find themselves again. And now knowing what they did and learning they can grow and maybe be happy in the end also uh that's a, a horrifying yikes with tom wilkinson and the kirsten Dunst relationship yeah. but uh i think it, it it ends on the on the right path with that one too she she does the right thing in the end i haven't seen this one this is one of my blind spots. Um, I, I think it's on stars. What? The movie is on stars. I think no, this I'm is one you would respect. I don't know if you would love this movie. Oh, that's Paul Yama. I trust him. I don't trust you, my fair lady man. Um, um Yeah. Uh, anybody else on the internal sunshine of the spotless line? Yeah. Oh, God. I I think this is a very good movie. Um, I I I think it, I don't love it. I think it's very smart and I think it's very clever and well written. Uh, just not super duper for me. I think this movie is incredible. Uh, Mizarra brought up a lot of the points I wanted to bring up, um, but Jim Carrey, all I'll say is Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are fucking amazing in this movie. Jim Carrey, if you just think he can do comedy. Goddamn, watch this movie and see him fucking do a new turn. It's incredible. How he didn't get an Oscar nomination uh, is just beyond me. Beyond! Um, Mike, go to your 33. Okay, we're going to make this quick. Gremlins. Oh, that's a yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I already knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> a yikes. Um, Cam. Uh, hopefully, I will win back some points with Cody. My number 30. 33? 33? 33. Yeah. My 33 is Lilo and Stitch. No place around to be. Which I believe is a yikes from earlier from Nazario, if I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is my favorite Disney movie. Uh, I absolutely adore this film. I think it's so charming. I think it's so well, like, developed and they build the world so nicely. Uh, I think it's one of, if not to me, the funniest Disney movie where they just have like these long winded lines that end with like a great punchline. Uh, like when she's talking about how she has to bring Pudge a sandwich, it's like, we're out of peanut butter. And it's like, my sister said I should bring him tuna, but I can't feed him tuna because I'd be an abomination. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, being disciplined five times a day with a brick. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think Stitch is just such a perfectly made character. 
Uh, I love the way that uh, he is designed. Um, I'm a big fan of character design where, uh, like, it's just a guy, it's just like a creature with soft eyes and a mouth that fully unhinges. We'll get to more of that later. Um, I think it's fantastically directed. Uh, I think the relationship between Nani and Lilo is just so pure and real. And I think it just carries the movie on its back. Uh, yeah, Lilo and Stitch. I love it. This is, uh, I think, my third best Disney animated movie. It's my 47 in this list. The whole thing looks like it was made with painted by watercolors by a kid, which is just beautiful. And to have this movie be released just when the animation is turning into full CGI, it kind of makes you reconsider that decision because you wouldn't get something that looks as pretty as this. Also, this movie hinges on one basic idea and I think they nailed it. Little kids who cannot really communicate with adults feel like monsters. They have to scream. They sometimes have to yell and grab you and, 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 and shake you because they cannot, they don't know how to express what they're feeling. So of course this little girl that is lonely on a Hawaiian island is going to identify with a little monster. That relationship and the relationship she has with her sister, like Cam said, are the heart of this film and they make it work. The plot itself, yeah, they want to hunt Stitch down and the mosquitoes jokes are funny, but if it didn't have that strong core, it definitely wouldn't have worked. It definitely wouldn't have spawned a TV show and two other movies and it becomes such a big deal. And the, Three the other movies, Nazario. Oh yeah, Leroy and Stitch, Stitch the Leroy movie. and Stitch. I forget about Leroy. Uh, Yes, it's beautiful. And the, yeah, like he said, the design of Stitch is perfect. I love the little guy. I can probably walk around this house and find like five different Stitches toys. But that's just me. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is uh, probably my top five Disney of all time. Um, I think it's I think it's honestly a brilliant movie. Um, uh, peek behind the curtain. So I, I've said this before on call, but I've done foster care in uh, this past year. Uh, some are slowly moving to adoption, but like the, I popped this on not thinking about the subject matter because the whole conversation is basically is Nani. Oh, should Nani have, you know, rights to Lilo? Uh, should she be not fit to take care of Lilo anymore? Um, and it like has that, it hit me really hard. Um, but I'm with Nazario. I think it's perfect to, because kids that are not able to completely verbalize how they feel they take it they feel as monsters at the time and this is just like a completely different spin for me now i already loved it before i think i think arguably second funniest disney movie of all time maybe first um it's got a hawaiian coaster ride is one of my favorite disney songs i don't care i think it's fantastic um, the, again, the beginning, I think the first like 10 minutes of this movie is one of the funniest in any movie ever. The bricks part, um, is great. Um, uh, everybody else on Lilo and Stitch. I haven't seen this movie since I was really young. Um, so I just need to rewatch it. I, I think this is a really sweet movie. It's really 
good fucking movie. I haven't seen it in years, though. I do need to rewatch it again just to see if I love it even more. But yeah, I think it's really cute, really sweet. It's a good fucking movie. Um, if Stitch would have ripped someone's head off, <laughs> top one. Mike, he has a chainsaw right. at one point. How about now? <laughs> I'm, I'm just very confused with Andrew's age because I was 21 when this came out, and I thought you were old. Jesus, my God, 29. Yes. Yes. He is literally okay. the exact same age as me, and he's sitting back there. Man, you know I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> well, guess what? Because you watched My Fair Lady four times. It takes so much time. This is an hour and a half. That's probably accurate. Yeah, you're. I know. <laughs> Nazario, what's your? Where are we at? Thirty-three. Yeah, my thirty-three is the best movie from nineteen ninety-four. Really, thirty-three is good lord, people. Okay, sorry. That was uh, Shawshank me earlier. Shawshank with him. Okay. Go ahead. Wow, no one has this. I had it for my own. Yeah. Okay. I'm a sucker for movies that show you a life of a person. And this actually is a long movie that develops because it follows the life of Andy Dufresne from the moment that he entered uh, Shawshank prison to the moment that he escaped from it. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful film. It shows you how something can go wrong in your life that it's not even your fault and you can pay for it. And how can you always hold on to hope and adapt and make something out of your life? People could have just given up in his position, but he never gave up. He always kept a positive attitude and he always found ways to do something good for the world, even behind bars. He found ways to give his fellow inmates kind of like similar ideas to what freedom would feel like by doing these weird meal jobs around and getting prices from the from the guards. And he even survived horrifying things that happen to you while you're in prison because he never lost out hope that in the end his innocence would actually provide his his escape. Even when he's betrayed by the people that should never be betray you because they're they're the people who are in charge of realizing that justice got served. He always knew what to do. The the, the acting is uh, amazing in this movie. Tim Robbins is great. Morgan Freeman is off the hook. I don't know if it was the first time he was actually the narrator of a movie, but it definitely became a thing after it. And the way it ends. Clancy Brown's character is amazing. And even they say what he they say he did after the guy escaped. It's a long movie. It's an interesting movie. It's very funny. It's very sad. It's very affecting. It takes you through a gamma of emotions, just like life. And in the end, you just retain your hope. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing fucking movie. Clancy Brown is such an asshole in this movie, but he plays it so fucking well. <laughs> Um, the friendship between Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, how it builds from beginning of where Morgan Freeman just thinks he has a fucking spoon up his ass. He doesn't care for him at all, but the way it slowly builds to them having a great friendship to having him build the library up for them. The scene in the library with them just going through the books and him going um, uh, by Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> it's just like there's such sweet moments in between between the characters when they're in prison compared to all the 
bad shit that happens as well is just an amazing film. I wish Frank Darabont would continue to do movies. He has had some shit in the past that is stopping him from doing it, but he is an incredible fucking director. The movies he has done are amazing. This is by far the top of his echelon. It's fucking incredible. Dude, uh, so this movie, again, I was born in 91, so at the end of the day, like, this movie came out. It was, or by the time I got really into movies, it was already on the top 250. It was the number one movie. Shawshank was everything. Um, and when I watched it, I was like, this is not going to live up to the hype at all. And boy, <laughs> does it live up to the hype. And then some. Yeah. This movie is flipping brilliant. Uh, it's maybe not socially correct, but uh, the Warden Norton is fantastic in this movie. He's like, I'm going to fuck you up so bad you'll yeah. get fucked by a train. Um, that line was, I'm like, good lord. And then that scene when he throws the rock and you just hear like, where is he? Like, well, I don't know, sir. What, you think he just grew fucking wings? And like, he just pissed off, has no idea, just like and then, like, the entire relationship between the two of them, did he do it, did he not do it, is he innocent, is not, the whole battle between that, and, like, it's just, it's great. Like, I think that beginning scene, like, not the beginning scene, but when they like, they bring in the new inmates with with them, and the beating that the guy takes, and your stomach will think, of, like, so this is where it's going to go, and the brilliant, it's basically a heist. I describe this movie best as almost a heist, because he literally breaks out like by and has everything planned out perfectly to the T to get out and get away. Like if you haven't seen the Shawshank Redemption, I, I always do this combo of Green Mile and Shawshank. I understand why it's a combo pack on like most things. It's a perfect combo for me. I love both these movies and the Shawshank's a perfect way to end it. Uh two of you. Hmm. You're missing the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Seventeen okay. again's on there. <laughs> Want to talk? Sure. We've already oh, yeah. established that I'm an idiot and nothing I say matters and that I can only dig a deeper hole for myself, so let's start digging. Um, nah, I've, I saw this film once when I was like 15 or 16 and I haven't seen it since. That was like like four to five years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a child and you can tell by my taste in movies. <laughs> uh, I saw this film for the first time last year. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I think that the uh, the Brooks was here scene is one of the saddest scenes I've ever seen in a movie in my life. Um, this was really close to making my list, and if if we do this again next year, it probably would on rewatch. That stuff just annoys me. The Graduate I watched one time instantly burst. I could easily say top 20, no questions asked. I don't need like, to watch it again. I feel like in December, we need to do like a how has our list changed? Has it gotten worse after all of these get released? I may I may do the one to the final episode, like tack it on at the final one and be like, okay, guys, what has changed? What do you regret? Um, all right, so Bar, go to your thirty-two because the Shawshank's not good enough. Let's see what is. What is good enough? It's Rocky. I love Rocky. This is one of the 
the most perfect underdog movies of all time. Um, Sylvester Stallone, you just you just root for this guy. Um, he, because basically all he wants to do, he doesn't necessarily want to win, which is, he wants to win, but his main goal is actually just to prove his worth as a fighter. And I think that's something that everyone can literally relate to, is just being like, I just want to prove myself. Um, and then, like, the relationship between him and Adrian is so great. Um, and, like, the little details about how his shorts aren't right uh, in the pictures. Things like that are just, like, what really builds this uh, this character. And call me shill all you want, but it's one of the best uh, best examples of this is really what uh, defines Philadelphia. Because um, it really does capture the spirit and the, the life of the city. Um, but it's, it's just really, it's just really great. Um, Carl Weathers and Stallone give two great performances and yeah, this is definitely a movie that if you want to, if you want to feel good, that you put on Rocky. If you want a better train montage, you go to Rocky Two. If you want a better Rocky movie, you go to Rocky Three. Um, overall, don't hate Rocky. I think it's a good movie. It's just long. It is long. What Rocky did perfectly after this one was shorten the runtime and make Rocky about Rocky than the fights. Like that's literally what it was. Um, and honestly, Carl Weathers and Rocky and Stallone's best on screen is Rocky three. When they become friends and they start training, that's my personal opinion. So Rocky's Rocky's still great. You get this, you get the established world. I think, I think Mickey is amazing in this movie. Um, I think the fight is honestly really good. Um, you get a lot of the quotes, like a lot of the great lines. Um, and uh, the only reason why it slipped on my list is because Creed came out, and I get they copy basically the same story at times, but Creed's just a more interesting character than Rocky um, at the end of the day. So that's my viewpoint on it. But no, I am never going to. I'm I'm happy that you at least put a Rocky film in there. Of course, it had to be the one from 76 because your pretentious self couldn't put anything newer. I'm sorry, um, I think what you're looking for is hack. You are a hack, and hopefully that was proven. Um, everybody else on Rocky. I liked it, uh, but I kind of agree that I think that Creed films have surpassed it. I don't know if it's a more of my sen uh, filmmaking sensibilities, but I, I like how the story develops in the in the spin-off better. I do think that uh, Adonis is a more interesting character. I think the, the Rocky kind of hit a ceiling for me on Rocky II, which I actually think is the, the best of the original Rocky movies. And then three was good, four wasn't really, and five is just five. And then it kind of gave a nice swan song with uh, Rocky Balboa. But yeah, it's a solid pick. Uh, I wouldn't have put it on my personal list, but I can see how it goes for you. Uh, at the time that this is dropped, I'm sure by now it's become public knowledge that I've actually seen all of the Rocky films now. Uh, woo! <laughs> They're not really Cameron movies. Uh, it's, it's sports, and it's extremely violently American. Uh and I don't really have that patriotism. Wait. Uh, 
One of the best fighters of all time came from Canada. Relax yourself, sir. I don't. Yeah, and I don't know who that is. I couldn't tell you who you're talking about, <laughs> Cody. I don't. I, it doesn't matter whether the sport is Canadian or American. I don't really care about it. Uh, <laughs> look, make more musicals about sports, and I'll start knowing things about sports. Um, I think this movie's good. I don't love it. Uh, it's my it's my second favorite of the original six Rocky movies. Yeah. What's your favorite? Just Balboa. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> Holy hell! I mean, he didn't say five men. He oh, said the next the one. Five is the worst. Five is the worst for sure. <laughs> it's a good fucking movie. I just, um, I loved him as a little kid, but after rewatching it the last couple of years, I, just something about I don't connect with them anymore, and they just went down in quality to me. But I still think it's a good fucking movie. Okay, Mike. Okay, so you guys know I love batshit crazy movies, and this is very batshit crazy. It is Phantasm. I love the hell out of this movie. I love the hell, hell out of the series. Me and Azario did a whole fucking episode of M Ranked on the series for Christ's sake. Hell yeah! <laughs> it is about a kid named Mike, his older brother Jody, and an ice cream man slash guitarist Reggie who battle a guy, a mortician known as the Tall Man. And it's just. A fucking, it's like a psychedelic ride through hell with this movie. All kinds of crazy shit happens. Spheres are flying at your face and fucking stabbing you in the fucking head, drilling your brains out. Yellow blood's coming out of the tall man because, you know, he, he's a fucking supernatural being. You got um, characters that they refer to as dwarfs, little people that you find out in the later, um, later movies why they're dwarfs, but they are so fucking freaky. It's just an amazing fucking concept for a horror movie. It is very low budget, but the budget that he does have is fucking incredible with his movie. So many great, fun moments. Bad shit, crazy things happen. I don't want to spoil anything because it's a fucking wild ride. It's a great fucking movie. I've never fucking seen this movie. God <laughs> What does everybody else think about this? And Have you seen it? Nope. I've never heard of this. <laughs> there are five Phantasm movies. Goddamn you right, haven't heard of a whole series. If you like Hellraiser does with cubes, then you want to love what Phantasm does with spheres. It's amazing. <laughs> also, Hellraiser. this is from the same director of Baba Hotep. Another yes. brilliant piece of cinema. So, if you, want learn, <laughs> if you want to learn more about Don Coscarelli, go watch him run. Uh, Cameron, third. Cool. Uh, we're going back to animated movies. Uh, uh, we're done with the Disney's, uh, but there's plenty more animated movies to show up. Uh, my thirty-two is The Prince of Egypt. Yeah, I didn't expect anyone else to have this. Um, I think this movie is brilliant. I think... Uh, I was about to say this is the best movie DreamWorks has ever done. That's not even close to being my opinion. Uh, but it's one of the best movies DreamWorks has ever done. <laughs> uh, not to spoil anything for the future. Um, 
I think this movie is fan. I, I think I said I think it's fantastic already. I'm repeating myself because I am incredibly tired. Um, no, I think that. <laughs> look, y'all know the day I had today. I I'm allowed to be out of it. Um, he ain't a construction worker, everybody. Oh yeah. Oh, by the time this goes up, uh, definitely not. Um, no, I think that this. I'm gonna say this movie is fantastic again. And I want to stop saying that phrase. I'm just gonna talk about the things. I think the music in this movie is beautiful and brilliant. I think Deliver Us is phenomenal. Uh, I think the plagues is such a really cool like confrontation sequence, and the music of it is absolutely brilliant and sweeping, and it's just so interesting. Uh, I think the animation of it is actually really beautiful. Where they use all of these like mu like a lot of these muted darker brown tones, but they have so much depth and so much color to them. Uh, I think it has a great sense of fun, but it also gets really dark with the story that it has to tell, and it doesn't turn like shy away from it or anything. Um, literally, the only problem, and I don't I don't even find this much of a problem. I just think it's the weakest part of the movie is the uh, the playing with the big boys. I think is not an amazing song, but I think that just as a whole, this movie works brilliantly and does a great job telling the story it needs to tell. No, Prince of Egypt's great. Um, I think it's the best story of that biblical story um, been told the film, I think. Yeah, I can say that. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's actually really good. Um, it's a little surprising. This was DreamWorks because DreamWorks, you know, like I always forget this was, um, and then I think they hit it out of the park. Uh, it's not one that I always go back to, just because I guess being, you know, growing up in church and that story has always been told kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not one that I'm like, oh, I want to watch it again. Um, but I honestly think it's a really good. I think it's top echelon of DreamWorks. Yeah, definitely. I think it's in their top ten. Um, so, yeah, I have no problem. 32, maybe a little high. You had this over Lilo and Stitch? Yes, I did. Yeah. That's, that's a little rough. But, all in all, I know you're back. When I'm not so. working construction and dying, that I work at a church. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know your background, so that gives you a little bit of a pass. Um, everybody else on Prince of Egypt? Uh, I like this movie. Um, I just don't go back to it that often. I actually think the four uh, 2D animated DreamWorks movies are really pretty strong overall, but this is definitely the top one of those. Uh, I actually saw this movie in Toronto. I spent 1998 Christmas on Canada visiting some relatives, and they took me to see this on my birthday, and I really, really loved it. But uh, I actually believe that this is the best cinematic version of the story of the Ten Commandments. I prefer it over the classic ones. And I didn't really understand at the beginning why they made a montage of the 10 plagues because, you know, that's the that's the meat of the story. But then I got it. Actually, it uh, it works well as a song and it actually leaves some other time to develop a little more the character of Moses and his relationship with Ramses. I think uh, their brother relationship of love slash hate is actually what carries this film. I think it's a, actually a very good pick, even if it's too high. <laughs> I've seen this movie. I don't remember one iota about it. Need to rewatch. <laughs> I am shocked. Um, Nazario, what's your 32? 
And number 32 is Dave Cronenberg's The Fly. That was a yikes from earlier from me. David Cronenberg took a movie from the 50s that was actually pretty simple and kind of goofy and just ran with it. He made it his own. He made this story about Seth Brundle, the man that was inventing the technology of teletransportation. And Gina Davis playing the, the reporter that he tries to get to film his, uh, his creation so he can get some support from the public and maybe some money. They develop a relationship, they start dating, and she becomes very excited about the, this technology that he's testing because he's a brilliant man. The thing is, like most brilliant men, he does not usually, is very careful with it. He thinks he's smarter than everyone and he just wants to move ahead with it. So he starts experimenting without paying close attention. And then one day when he's trying to teleport himself after he uh, successfully transports a baboon, a fly goes into the machine and all hell breaks loose. This movie then turns into a, a great thriller. I actually don't, I, I think it's technically gonna be called a horror film because of where it ends up. But I think the, the, the heart of the movie, the story that goes all before the monster and before the, the, the conclusion is what actually gives this movie its gravitas. Cronenberg was definitely the correct director for this. He made it work. He made the story work. He made uh, the creature work, the, the effects, the physical effects are great. I don't care if they, people say they don't hold up to time. That's just eh. Physical effects will always be better than CGI. And he actually made Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis be like a thing. Like people wanted to see more, more movies with those two. That's, go figure. This movie is great. Five out of five stars. If anybody hasn't seen it, just, just go and watch it. It's, it's a great ride. This, like Jeff Goldblum in the 80s is fucking fantastic because it's before he became... Jeff Goldblum that we all know and love. After a certain couple movies that we may be talking about later on, he became the same guy over and over in movies, which I still love him in. But he is such an amazing actor in this. Him and Gina Davis' chemistry are so great. The practical effects, like Nazara was saying, are incredible in this. When he fucking turns into that fly, it is so disgusting looking, so weird. Um, that it comes in to try to save her is Oh, it's just so fucking nasty what Jeff Goldblum ends up doing because he's a fly at that point. It is so insane. It's so bad shit nuts. I love the hell out of this movie. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah, I've seen video from this movie, and there's not a chance in hell I'm watching it anytime <laughs> soon. I'm going to be honest with you. It makes me about stick to my stomach. There's no chance in hell that I'm watching the great, beautiful, wonderful, never does anything wrong Goldblum do this movie I promise you that nope I will take him being Goldblum I want him to be Goldblum not fucking mutated um, everybody else on the fly haven't seen it yeah look at who you're talking to and take a guess Bar 31 uh, my number 31 uh, is my favorite film from 1989. It is Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Coho's gone, so I will do this. Okay. Go ahead and uh, start talking. All right. So, Do the Right Thing. Um, it follows the hottest day of the year. Um, and the racial tensions in this, uh, in this part of the city are rising. Um, uh, I think that Danny Aiello and Spike Lee give really great performances. Their their chemistry in this movie is actually fantastic. 
Um, and that scene where uh, Radio Rahim um, is murdered, uh, it's so relevant to today. Um, and it's also just really well shot, really well directed. Um, and just the whole climax of the movie is just one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen when they, uh, when, um, Spike Lee, uh, his, uh, uh, I'll remember his character's name later, but when he throws the trash can, it's amazing. And then when they turn their attention to this little shop, um, owned by, uh, the Asian family, that moment in itself is also just amazing, powerful. Uh, this movie is just shot, edited, written, directed, acted brilliantly. Um, remember one thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Anybody else have to do the right thing? Oh, Okay. Uh, Do the Right Thing is fantastic. It is uh, easily in my top 50 of all time. Um, I think this movie still tells an important message. I think it tells an even more, even more important message nowadays than maybe back then. Um, I think more people should check it out. Um, I know Coho talked about it. If it was, if he would have watched it before the top 100, it would have been on his top 100. Um, I think I think it's great. Um, everybody on Do the Right Thing. I saw this movie when I was in high school with my now wife. She did not like it at all. So actually it made me think, hmm, that's weird because I kind of dig it. Sadly, uh, if anybody who's married knows you sometimes have to pick things you both want to watch. I haven't been able to rewatch it in like 25 years. So I, I really don't remember enough to say I I know this movie is great or not. Uh, I just remember that I actually did like it a lot when I saw it. It's um, Spike Lee is someone that I, for the most part, I don't really care for a lot of his movies, but this is one of the few that I absolutely love. It's a great fucking movie. The message is fucking loud and clear and he couldn't tell it better himself. It's fucking incredible. That entire last sequence is damn it's fucking powerful i love all the talk the first person talking to the camera i love all the moments it's so fucking great yeah no this movie is fantastic uh i think i watched it for the first time like a week before we started recording these um so i didn't really have enough time like to let it sit for it to jump onto my list but i think that this movie is amazing i think spike lee is actually a really great performance in this movie. Uh, same with John Turturro. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, well, I was about to say watch it, because if there's ever a time to watch it, it's now. But it's December, so who knows? Uh, still, oh. it'll still be relevant. By the Hopefully time. the world got better. Um, probably didn't. I don't think it's going uh, to get probably worse. Australia All will right. catch back on fire. All right. <laughs> Yikes! All right, Mike. Okay, we got 31, my favorite war movie, which was also Yikes from an earlier episode, Saving Private Ryan. I love the hell out of this movie, and I've heard people say that the first 20 minutes is the best part of this. I completely disagree. I love the first 20 minutes of this, but the rest of it is amazing. The way, what, 
newer war movies have failed to do for me is really get you connected to those characters to follow them. And this movie does that fucking brilliantly. Every single one of these characters you get to know throughout this movie. This is one movie that I actually like Vin Diesel in. I fucking hate Vin Diesel, but I like him in this movie. Is it because he fucking dies right away? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. But it is so, like, the death of Adam Goldberg in this movie is fucking so terrible and so frightening. The way he is, in a way, comforting him to die, in a way, just telling him to just be quiet and just let it happen is so depressing. And also with Giovanna Rabisi's death, like him having that conversation before when they're in the church talking about his mom and then having what happens to him is just so heartbreaking. Tom Hanks is fucking incredible in this movie. Tom Sizemore is fucking amazing. Edward Burns with his little thing that he has with Tom Hanks throughout is great. I love every bit of this movie. It, like the first 20 minutes of Fucking shots are fucking incredible, and Strober just keeps going with it throughout the movie. It is such a sad movie, but I love it to pieces. It's a great fucking movie. I had this at 67. Uh, it's definitely a movie that should have won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1998. Yeah. And if this one wasn't going to win, maybe the Thin Red Line should have been the second option. Uh, yes, he mentioned every character that, that wasn't. In, in the movie, except Barry Pepper, who actually I think has one of the most like sad, I think it's very sad the way he goes in the end because he has to go to the tower even though he knows he's going to be a sitting dog there because he has to give cover to his, his, his soldier friend. And yes, uh, even Matt Damon uh, showing up uh, late in the movie, wrote the great speech about his family and how he remembers it. And then in the middle of the, giving this uplifting speech to Tom Hanks about this story about his family, he remembers that they're all gone now, which is why he's sitting right there with him. Uh, it's a great story. I, I watched this uh, by myself. My, my parents were out of town, and when my dad came, I told him, like, you have to go watch this movie. You have to go watch this movie. And he never made it to theaters, but when he went to the video store, he accidentally came back with a porn version of it. He's like, why, why did you want me to see this? I'm like, dad. Really? Ryan. No saving Ryan's privates. What the hell's wrong with you? He's like, ah, the water declared was looking at me weird. Uh, he eventually saw it and he loved it. And it's one of those movies that, the few movies that we actually think is brilliant, both of us together. It's a, it's a great film. Thin Red Line is a better movie. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It should have won. I like this movie. I am one that also says the first 20 minutes is the best movie. Uh, Because it's actually war and then it goes into a totally different spin. I like the development. I like all the characters. Nowhere near a bad film. I expect this to be 31 on my family's list. I have no problem with it being there. It's just for me, there are parts that I don't like. Um, I don't know why Bar got really close to the camera, but what do you think about saving private? Say, what do you think about shaving Ryan's private? That's why I was so close to the camera. I was so enthralled by the idea of this cinematic masterpiece. Um, it's porn. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I think 
the the smartest thing about this movie is actually the cinematography and how gritty it is. Um, like it is not a clean looking movie. No. Like it is dirty. Um, and uh, you're right. The Adam Goldberg scene is great. Um, it's a movie that I really, really like a lot. I I really do enjoy this movie a lot. It just it just didn't make my list. Uh, I, I Mike said there were people who think the, the first 20 minutes are better than the rest of the movie. You bet I'm one of those people. Uh, I think the first 20 minutes of this movie is brilliant, and then the rest of this movie, uh, I I didn't love. Uh, just just to make more people mad, I'm a Shakespeare in love person because have you met me? Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. I don't love it, but I get it. All right, we'll tell Dylan what they're wrong and pick the right movie at thirty-one. Oh, I, I'm. Oh no, uh, this is Shakespeare in Love. Just narrowly missed out on being on this list, and that's not a joke. Um, so you're number eleven. That's my number eleven. Uh, yeah, this is. This is just gonna go bad again. Yeah, my thirty-one is the fault in our stars. It's that movie where Willem Dafoe listens to Swedish hip hop. I love how Koho won't let me like lean into it and apologize. He just throws me head first into the water by putting up the graphic. <laughs> yeah, I know no one has this. Um because this is very much not a movie really made for any of you guys. It is a movie that I was 14 and I read the book. And the movie came out when I was a teenager, and I watched it when I was a teenager and I fell in love with it. And then it has stayed with me since then. Uh, I think that this is just an absolutely beautiful story of two people falling in love uh, despite the fact that they know, like, it can't end well with the two of them. Like, they know that they're perfect for each other and that they're basically made for each other, but they literally cannot have that happily ever after because their lives are just plagued by this horrible, horrible thing. Uh, I think this movie has really dark, really sad moments that are fantastic. I think the scene where, like, they're reading their eulogies to Gus uh, at his, like, pre-funeral, because he's like, I want to hear what you've written for me, because I'm not going to get to hear it when I actually die. And I think it's a beautiful scene. Uh, I think my favorite scene in the movie uh, is there's a scene where the one, their one friend, his girlfriend, breaks up with them, and so the two... Uh, Gus and Hazel are just like talking about books and like are being really really calm and in the background he's just smashing trophies against the wall and just occasionally just like hey Gus is this one cool to smash awesome and just destroys it I think it's super fun uh, I think Shailene Woodley uh, gives a great performance I think that actor who uh, six months ago I don't I don't know how he's doing now but as of right now uh, he there, there's some stuff going on with him uh I think he's great in this film. Uh, he's got just so much charisma. Um, yeah, I I love this movie, and I fully understand why uh, y'all don't. But this is a movie that is for me, and I love it. I saw this. I got hired at the theater. I saw everything. Um, and it was very weird. There was a lot of men coming out crying. Um and the women were consulting them, which is fine. It was just not what I thought was going to happen with this movie. Then I saw it. Then I went back and watched Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Um, <laughs> Valid. I never went back. Um, my wife probably really likes it, but I don't watch movies what she likes. So, no, 31's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. <laughs> Prince of Egypt and Blue Little are way better than this movie. Um, everybody else, what do you got to say about this movie? Haven't seen it. Don't. I've seen it, and I totally get, like, getting to know Cameron over these past few weeks doing these, I totally get why it's on his list, so I'm not going to fault it, fault him for it. (laughs) (laughs) The coming-of-age movies from 2000 and on have this particular thing that they make all the characters feel like unique, special snowflakes, you know? Like, everybody has their thingy, their... (laughs) sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i've seen paper towns most people hate that movie that movie is shit paper towns is trash paper towns is trash i will fully admit that i think it's better than this one honestly if you want to see I don't know. You want to see a good version of a movie without the well, not exactly the same, but the same kind of thing. I think Perks of Being a Warflower is like the top one. I would say from this kind of style. Well, sorry, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I love that you called them snowflakes. Kim is about to lose his fucking mind. Um, Nazari, you get to close out the show. Tell us what it is, and we'll go. Uh, my number 31 is a revolution of the mind. Tom Cruise is back on my list with Cameron Crowe's Vanilla Sky. Nothing. Perfect. No. Okay. <laughs> You're in this alone, buddy. <laughs> I actually, I, this is a remake of a Spanish film called Abre los ojos, Open Your Eyes, which I actually saw with no preview, no nothing when I was uh, in my last year of high school. I just went to the movie theater. Uh, I had seen everything they were showing except that, so I just went in, and it blew my mind. And this is basically the same script with a better director, better actors, a budget, and a kick-ass soundtrack. This is what Cameron Crowe does best. He makes music a character in the film. You can just flow from one scene to the other almost without the need for dialogue because the music takes you there. It's, It's something that it's kind of tactile in his films. And I think it's brilliant in this one. This is my second favorite Cameron uh, Crowe's movie. But uh, yes, the story is about David Ames, who's a guy who has everything. He's a millionaire. He inherited things from his father. He has a, a magazine empire that he runs. And he basically does whatever the hell they wants, whenever the hell he wants. And he meets this girl, the Spanish girl, played by Penelope Cruz, called Sofia Serrano, and he falls head over heels with her. But, he makes a wrong decision and it costs him everything. He decides to go back to a girl he has been fooling around with, played by Cameron Diaz, who's actually very infatuated with him and he's just pretending not to care because like, she thinks that's what he wants. But in a jealous rage, she gets him into a car and then she crashes it and kills herself and the, the, disfigures his face, which basically changed his whole outlook in life. The movie then turns into kind of a fantasy sci-fi thing that never lets you stand firmly on what is real and what is not. It keeps flipping the script when you think you've got it figured out where it's going. 
throws something new at it and it it actually is pretty inventive and like i said it, it's carried on by the imagery and the music it's a movie that didn't play great in america for some reason i honestly think it's better than the original uh and i think it's very underappreciated tom cruise as always gives it all in, in this role and he's actually very very great in this one and then in the end when they explain what is happening and how things are going to fit together it makes sense and when he makes his final decision i always cry maybe it's the music by sigur ross maybe it's just because it's a brilliant piece of cinema i'm a tom cruise fan this ain't movie for me no 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 Jake Mirgoni has this two and a half stars, and Kirk has this uh, two star. So I'm thinking you're wrong. <laughs> if those two worlds have ever collided, that's wrong. You and Mike both have it at five stars, which respect. Mike, did you have this on your list? No, I did not. You have it at five stars. Well, okay, Mike whatever. Hanley has like 500 movies rated at five stars. Yeah, and half of them, <laughs> and all of them are Spielberg mostly. Um, okay. Um, if he ever saw a film, Mike gave it a five star. Uh, fine. It's okay. I, I, 31, I think it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, everybody else on Vanilla Sky? Haven't seen it. Tom Cruise's character is a bit too much of a snowflake for my taste. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have missed the best part of this. Fucking Kurt Russell, okay? It's Kurt Russell and Tom Cruise in a goddamn movie together. Let's just put fucking Jeff Goldblum in there and blow my fucking mind. This is a fucking great fucking movie, okay? I love the hell out of this. The journey that Tom Cruise's character goes through, especially when he ends up meeting Kurt Russell and they have the conversation they have throughout, is fucking incredible. Tom Cruise is a fucking psycho in this movie. I love it to death. It's a great fucking movie. And I forgot to mention, Kurt Russell is actually playing a character based on the character played by Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. Boom. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay. That's the show. This is a long one. We knew it was going to be long, and next week's going to get even longer. I'm gonna... Me and Coho don't get paid enough for this. Um, um, uh, I guess we'll go through Bar's list. Do the right thing. Um, sure. You had some really good ones. You had some mad ones. You definitely had bar pick. Uh, Mike Hanley. Mike had a very... Mike wins this episode by a flipping mile. With Minority Report and the trilogy of trilogies. No one even came close to you tonight. Congrats, sir. Next is Cam. Cam um, lost by a large mile. Um, I, after hearing his list, I feel like him after um, um, doing construction today. And Nazario, is he needs a hug. If you see Nazario, give him a hug. Um, cause he's, he's, he likes good movies. He also is very depressed. You also had the Shawshank Redemption, the highest. So you, you come close to tying with Mike, but you're still in second. Um, we went through a lot of yikes, so I don't know how many are coming, but Barr's still got a ton. Barr's got so many to talk about yet. Um, Nazario got cut down a lot today. <laughs> he did. He got three left. Uh, Cam has got five. 
Mike has got six um, and got a whopping nine for Barr. So thank you for being on this episode. We will be back next week, hopefully, if we're not canceled. We, we've crawled with snowflakes. Rosario <laughs> said some questionable things last episode. I don't even know if we're still here. Multiplex could shut down. Um, I don't even know if M-Ranked is still happening. This is December. Good Lord, what's happening? It could be his version due. Malcolm could have taken over the show. I don't know. But join us next week. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for first percent. I'm coming back for everything. Get what you fucking deserve! Turn to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. No. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs>